when you listen to the show, if we are wrong or we don't know what we're talking about, that is perfectly fine. And you can correct us anywhere you want on Twitter, on Instagram, or on Facebook. You can find us at Not A Historian Podcast or at Not Historians. That's fine because we just jump on the internet, go to the library, talk to people, watch some interviews, and do the basic research we can just to show that two average Joes can do it. Exactly. We're not historians. So first of all, let me assert my firm belief that the only thing we have to fear is fear itself. Well, maybe he walked around with jelly beans. That's what it is. Maybe he walked around with jelly I think beans so. I think he, and he was at the crime scene and stuff and be like, nah, see, nah, I got these jelly beans, see, nah. We're just two dudes that came up with an idea and we said we should know more about the everyday world around us, like why are beer bottles the shape they are. In 1930, the Republican-controlled House of Representatives, in an effort to alleviate the effects of the, anyone, anyone, the Great Depression. Get ready to take notes, boys and girls. It's another edition of the Not Historians Podcast, with your hosts, Desmond Dunn and Shalom Agulavin. What are you sorry? That's what I'm doing. It's already recording. It's already recording. Yes, we're recording. You know why? Why? Because we have to talk about the man, the myth, the legend. Uh, we're going to talk about me? No, Miyamoto Musashi. Oh, yes. You know, can you say his full name? Uh, Shinmen Musashi no, no Kami Fujiwara no Genshi. That's right. Genshi. <laughs> and he has many, many, many aliases. Mostly uh, Genshin and Kami are going to be mentioned a lot. Mm-hmm. Because he is... I would, I would, I would put this up there. Kratos might think he's the god of war. Yeah, but this dude is definitely the god of samurai. Uh, I'm not saying that he's the the best samurai of all time, but let me put, let me put it this way: he's on the short list. <laughs> he's on the very short list when it comes to samurai, especially pop culture samurai. Samurai you think of in movies that with one swift fell of their blade can drop like five enemies. They can slice a dime in the air. Many men left. They whoop ass with a with a wooden sword against an army. They they could they can make a you know slice a leaf in half with their bare hand. They could pick up any weapon and be a master. They would defend whole cities. All of those are fake, pretty much. But if they're based in one person, if you had to pick one person they were based on, for me, Musashi is uh, going to be my answer. Uh, I'm not saying that he could do all those things, but he is well known. I would say well-known swordsman and highly regarded Roman. I would agree. Uh, he is just—he's a bad motherfucker. <laughs> there's no, there's no short way. Uh, his claim to fame when it comes to samurai, even sixty undefeated duel, sixty. He's the founder of his own style of swordsmanship. All right. Yeah. And I don't know if you've ever heard of this, but he wrote the goddamn book of the five rings. Yeah, I've never heard of that book. Uh, now he lived. We just we just did another show, right? Right. Uh, Toyotomo, and he's gonna. This is gonna come in right after that. He comes. Uh, Musashi is born in 1584 and dies in 1645. So he lives a good, uh, you know, 80 years or 60 years. Can't do math. So 60 cool years. Maths. Yeah. Well, he is the seminal. He's the seminal samurai in my mind. I'm gonna try to make that. You know how you have your gangster thing? Yeah. Yeah. This is my seminal samurai. Seminal samurai. Seminal samurai. Nice. He is the seminal samurai that comes to mind when you hear the word. Okay. He probably came from southwest Japan in the 
Higo province, which we talked about a little bit. Or no, we talked about. Not yet. No, the Hijo. Sorry. And that's also the home of the 47 Roman. Huh. Yeah, Musashi came from a line of pretty tough dudes to begin with. Uh, he was not of a peasant farming class. He was not of a royalty class. I mean, he was noble, but yeah, um, he got started off on his road to badassery pretty much at birth. Uh, yeah. his, his dad was master of the jute, which, Shalom, do you know what the jute is? Which weapon that is? It was like a stick. Yes, it's yeah. a big staff that uh, he would use. His dad was the master of that and swords. So that's what he did for a living was he taught other people how to be good at weapons. So when your son comes along, guess what he was going to be good at? Weapons. Yeah. And as soon as he could hold them, literally, this is what I found out. It's not hyperbole here. As soon as he could hold them, he started getting trained. So that's that's a pretty good deal. It's a pretty good deal. Uh, but his dad also was, you know, a warrior mm-hmm. and a weapons master here. He got in some beef. And his dad was like, hey, uh, I'll see you later. I got to go to the store and pick up some Japanese cigarettes and milk. Uh, so his uncle came in and was like, oh, hey, by the way, I'm also a badass at weaponry, so I'm going to have to train you too. All right. So your dad's gone, but I'm here. So don't think you're not going to get away with not learning you little shit. Pick up that sword. Right. And yeah, how do you think that the, the son of a sword master, the nephew of a sword master, uh, from a family of warriors, how well do you think he took to this? Oh, probably pretty well. Yeah, fish to water. Yeah. Fish to water. He was a koi in a koi pond. He... He was like, hmm, this sword thing makes sense to me. So, uh, yeah. Uh, because of this, he, he, he felt pretty, he was feeling himself pretty much. Like, let's be real. When he was 13, he got into his first duel. 13 years old. Imagine, Shalom, what were you doing at 13? Were you getting in duels? Uh, so I was, but, I mean. Yeah, Pokemon duels. <laughs> Yu-Gi-Oh style. Yeah, we didn't have Yu-Gi-Oh back then. But. I had some Pokemon and some Magic Card duels. But no, I actually had, like, sword duels, too. Yeah, not like this, though. These yeah, were to no. the death. Yeah, yeah, I like that. But, I mean, like, here, here's how bad of an idea. You're like, 13, I don't know if that's good or bad, because you're like us. What do we know? Shalom. Uh, you you are a resident expert this season because yeah. there's two of us <laughs> and I don't know anything. Let me ask you this. Uh, 13, too young of an age to get in a duel in feudal Japan. Um, yes. <laughs> yes. Uh, 13 is not a good... Thir- his uncle who was his master and also a sword master and a weapons master and was like, hey, we're a warrior family and we're badass. And he's like, nephew got in a duel. He's like, no. Hell no. Even. No. Hell no. He's just, he, he was not having it. Not even a little bit. He was like, hey, think maybe this is a bad idea, right? Right. But the cat, the cat that he issued the challenge to was like, no, no, no. No, no, no. Fuck that. This is honor. Right. I want him to come here. You bring Musashi to me. He apologizes at the time of the duel so everyone can see him apologize. <laughs> All right. Right. You know what happened? Not an apology. Not an apology is exactly right. Uh, his uncle showed up and was like, hey, uh, you know what? We just really think we should cut this short. I'm so sorry. Look, I apologize for you. We meant no disrespect. Ain't, ain't nothing Ain't nothing about it. Nothing but a thing. You know, let's just, let's, let's just go on. Water under the bridge. Whatever the idioms we have in Japanese right now. Let's go. Let's just go. No. Musashi hmm. was like, Hey, sorry I'm late. Mm. Uh, I, but I brought my quarterstaff, right? 
Yeah, master of the Jeep family. And he proceeded to what we would call wreck fucking shop. Oh, yeah. Yeah, no, he did. Imagine imagine the, the Challenger, which I'm going to assume wasn't 13. Yeah, no. And as long as you're not 13 or younger, which I'm going to assume he's not, yet again. Right. So I'm assuming you're 14, 15 even. Maybe you're 16, 17, 18. Maybe you're an adult. You know why? You never want to get in a fight with a 13-year-old, 15-year-old. As a grown-ass man, this is a piece of life advice for all y'all out there. Shalom, you back me up on this. You never get in a fight with the child. You know why? Best case scenario, you whoop the child's ass. Right. Worst case scenario, you got your ass kicked by a 13-year-old. Exactly. So you do not do this. This guy made that mistake. Worse off, he made the mistake of going in and being like, yeah, you know what? Miyamoto, Miyamoto, Miyamoto Musashi is the guy I want to pick on. And he would, from thus been on, be known as victim number one. (laughs) Yeah, that's so awesome. Yeah, that's so true. Yeah. Now, for those that don't know what the technical definition of wreck shop is, it means he killed the guy. Oh, yeah, he did. And he did not even break whatever sweats a 13-year-old, which I assume is everything from what I remember. Mm. So even being 13 years old, puberty going on, all that, already wanting to sweat, he was just like, oh, God, just beat this dude down. Yeah, being bad, too. Now, imagine walking around and not feeling like you're the coldest dude in the world at 13, having just beat another dude that would challenge you to an actual duel. Because no one, I feel like, would challenge somebody to a duel. Right. If they did feel like they could win. That's true. Uh, I don't know how Eastern Japanese, let's say, uh, dueling went. And I'm familiar with some of the Western stuff. Uh, there is a case to be made for occasional chances of duel of honor where there was no tint mm-hmm. on actually harming each other, but more on proving that I have the balls to show up. Right. Uh, from what I understand in Japanese... It was acceptable to do this if you were like showed up and were like ashamed and would go ahead and like strip yourself naked and kiss my feet and tell how badass I am and right. uh, that you couldn't face me because it would be so unfair. Then then I could be like I, I give mercy and they would be like all right, but they could also just be like nah, I'm kidding. <laughs> but for the most part, no one was issuing duels in Japan for the hell of it. Right, like it's a it's a, it's a, it's a serious. As it should be everywhere. It's a very serious deal when you're like, one of us is going to die. Because I think you're wrong. So, I re- remember now that number I said at the beginning of 60 duel mm-hmm. Starts with 13. At 13 years so old. Nuts. At 13 years old. And then from then on. It's not like this dude started dueling when he was 20 or 30 and became a master and just whoosh, carried it on for another 10 years. was like, wow, I'm really good. No, no, no. He started as soon as he could. Like the first duel that came up, he was like, finally. Let me kill this motherfucker so I can go undefeated. All right, so he's he's getting ready to go Mayweather over here. Here we got it. The net for the next four and a half decades. Because remember how old he is. For the next forty-five years, roughly. Yeah, sixty-three. Well, yeah. He's undefeated. Imagine having a streak that long for that long. Sixty nice. duels would be one thing. Hell, you couldn't, even if you did them in the afternoon, it would be an achievement. But doing them for 40 some odd years. Nice. And he's, to, to be clear here, he's not just whooping ass. Like, not normal ass. 
he's whooping samurai weapon master ass because that's his realm. Like, you know, in the kung fu flicks, because you see this kung fu flicks, you don't see this so much in Japanese cinema, where they're always like, I challenge you to a duel to prove whose school is better. Yeah. Yeah, that, that happened in Japan, too. Don't think don't think it didn't. No, yeah, I bet it did. No, no, I'm saying they would be like, my style of sword handling is so superior. Watch me defeat you. Ooh. I'll beat your master down. And it's like, my, my master name's Musashi. Oh, what was that? I'm sorry, I didn't hear. Uh, you heard what I said, though, right, about I'm so sorry <laughs> I need to be going. Right. That was pretty much what would happen for the next 40, 40 plus fucking years. Um, there's more to this, though, because it's not enough to just be a samurai that wins 60 duels. I mean, I'm, I'm not sure there's another exists, but I'm sure you can find one that claims they existed. And because he's not just the dude that goes on to write the Book of the Five Rings, and because he's not just Musashi. He has to do what you would think every invisible character that's going to go on to whoop ass for 40 years would do at this point. He went on a quest. A real goddamn quest. Okay. Because those still existed at the time outside of video games, all right? So at 15, he's like, I've got to prove myself. That one death that a guy killed two years ago, just, you know, that's just not enough. People aren't going to believe I'm really good with a sword just because I'm a 13 year old that can kill people. I'm going to have to prove it somehow. So in a real time montage, right? Out of all the things you see in samurai movies where they train. He does that yeah. for the next however long. He even fights uh, in the Tokugawa Toyotomi War. He's there. So in these battles we were just talking about, guess who's fighting him? Boom. Guess who's also fighting him? Who? His dad. He finally meets his dad again. He's like, hey, dad, did you hear? I'm a badass. I'm a badass warrior now. And he's like, Word, you must be because you're fighting next to me. And his dad's like, game that recognized game. We were good. We're good here. Let's go. Let's go. Um, and they they actually even teamed up. They go to Kyoto, right? Yeah. Um, Yoshikaga. Oh, Yoshikaga. 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 Yoshi. So the shogunate is the Ashikaga. Yeah, no, 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 no. But this school. Yoshi. Yoshioka. Yoshioka. Right? This Yoshioka school in uh, Kyoto is the best sword school there at the time. That's the opinion. I don't know who's given this opinion, but that's what I read in several places. So that's the opinion. No. So him and his dad are like, We're, we should go challenge them to prove that our style is better. Because, you know, this war thing is getting a little boring. And, uh, yeah. He beat them so bad that the Yoshi, uh, at the time, right, the Shogun hadn't changed yet. They're still fighting this battle. The Shogun saw them whoop so much ass in this victory beating this school. You know what he got the name? No, what? Unrivaled under heaven. That's how smooth his style is. He got the title from the Shogun for his for his weapons prowess. Unrivaled under heaven. So name something you're really, really good at. Something you feel like you could professionally compete in if there were a professional. I don't care if it's sharpening pencils. Name something that you think you're good at. Drinking water, breathing air. Something you think you are. One of the best of in the world. Like if there were, if there were, everyone in the world were ranked, you'd be like, I'm probably in the top one percent. Oh, I'd say Kinjits. What? Kinjits. What's Kinjits? Um, the art of the sword. Okay, so you're in the top one percent. That's probably so. that's probably true, just because the ninety eight percent does not practice, <laughs> right? Uh, but I see what you did there. Right. So here's my thing. You pick the area that this man is in. 
Now think about what do you think it would exactly take to get the title unrivaled under heaven? I don't know. Meaning only gods could beat you. Like their only competition literally could be God. And I'm not saying this as a dude on the street. I'm saying this as the Shogun, a man who has fought many battles and commands a giant army and right. sees swords all day and trains men. I'm saying that this man would need a god. I mean, that's again, Kratos, point. watch your back. Yeah, no joke. I'm coming for you. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. So him and his dad, right? When they when they team back up after this war. This is pretty much this is tech and tag style. Like they are the tag team to beat you. You they just kind of go around like proven in feudal Japan. Damn. I mean, when, I'm not seriously. Uh, he put uh, on the Yoshioka right. The master comes in. Uh, the master's name was uh, Sijiro. Mm-hmm. He put him down with one blow. Damn. Yeah. Imagine that. This is a master in Kyoto. From the best school in Kyoto. Kyoto's not a small city. Right. Especially at this time, because other cities haven't developed really yet. And we're talking about a day and age when being a sword master, a weapon master, a warrior was an important thing. Like, it was something that was a class. And you are the top dog at that school. You're like, dude, I'm the best person in Kyoto. This is straight out of a movie. This young guy walks up, takes a sword, and they're like, are you ready? He's like, yeah, I think so. Bam, you know on the ground. Didn't even see it happen. He was like, wait a minute, but I'm dead. <laughs> no. Wait a minute, but I'm dead? Really? What? Oh, uh, no. And then guess what? It's better because, you know, as we have, we've seen with, with Miyamoto, it's a family affair, right? Musashi's people, it's a family affair. Mm-hmm. So his brother's now the master of the school. This other guy, right? Uh, Shinjiro's brother. He comes in. He's like, oh, you want some too? Bam, KO. <laughs> So, at this point, <laughs> Yoshioka is like, or, yeah, Yoshioka. It comes in, they're like, look, we're down to our last master. He's a 12-year-old. He inherited. Please be gentle. Ooh, uh, he killed him. A 12-year-old? He was like, yeah, you, well, the 12-year-old was like, I'm the new school master. He's like, I don't see a problem with this. When I was your age, I was already killing the man. Let's go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then he's like, you think you got it? And he's like, I heard tell if you killed the man when you were 13. He's like, I'm 12. I'm going to do better than you. He's like, okay. We'll find out. By the way, I killed your dad and your uncle, so chill on that shit. No? All right. And they were like, where did the rest of him go? It's like, oh, he was 12. I'm really strong. He's in the tree. <laughs> uh, and it was here that he would display the two-sword style. Now, the two-sword style, for those that don't know, is when you have two swords. Oh one my god. One in each hand. That was the best explanation ever. Like, I appreciate well, that. you want to explain the two sword style because you're the sword expert. No, no, I think you pretty much covered it. And usually you have a longer sword and a shorter sword, and one's for attacking and defending, or both for. Anyway, at this time, it's really unheard of because the katana, in a Western sense, I guess, is not a two handed sword, but what would you call it? A hand and a half sword? Yeah, I think that's right. It's traditionally welded with two hands by itself, as it would be. Um, Musashi decided that he could do it with one hand. I guess he wanted to up the difficulty, so he's like, hey, guys, you can use two swords to fight. And they were like, no, one one sword, two hands. He's like, no, two swords, two hands. Come on, guys. And they didn't believe him, so that's when he showcased it. Because when you get challenged by a 12-year-old, and you're undefeated, you're like, guys, Guys, I'm going to do something a little bit different. Let's be cool. Let's be cool. 
And uh, he defeated the shit out of him. Again, 12 year old. Damn. Yeah. See, on the third duel, they came loaded for bear. Right? Mm -hmm. The school came. They came with swords. They came with staffs. They came with bullets. They came with bows. They probably had a Terminator. They showed up. And it was apparently, it was pretty apparent from the beginning that, that their plan was, if this dude kills this 12-year-old master, we going to just have to rush him. Because we ain't had nothing else. Right? We killed a 12-year-old. That's all we had. That was our secret weapon was a 12-year-old. I mean, damn. He, that was when he was like, oh, shit, I'm going to get attacked, right? Yeah. Two swords is definitely better than one, so I'm going to take two swords. Because when you got one sword, two is better than one. I mean, you go to get rushed by guys with arrows and bullets and stabs. You're like, yeah, I think I think I like two swords in this situation. And breathing. No, yeah, both are important. Now, flashback, now that I've told you that there's a whole school of swordsmen and weapons people carrying swords and staffs and bows and guns and you kill two of their masters and their third one's stepping out and he's a 12 year old and obviously they don't have much faith because they came with bows and bullets and guns. <laughs> they're like he's gonna kill him you know if he kills him we all just take him right right and this dude steps out and all you have is two swords and they're like well let's get shit done so well, he killed him as we covered i mean yeah so what do you think happened they used the bullets and bows and guns oh well okay and right. what do you think happened they didn't kill him. He fought his fucking way out with Damn. two swords. Damn. That's a dream you have, and I'm sure of it. Yeah. But just imagine, that's why you get unrivaled under heaven. When you get attacked by a, an angry mob of people, and all you have is two big knots. <laughs> Let's be real, that's what swords are. Very large knots. And he's like, well, the only move I would be able to do is spinning tornado. <laughs> Spinning tornado and windmill, right? That's yeah, the two. Windmill. That's the two you can use. Oh, what else do you have when you're getting rushed by like people with guns and arrows and staffs that are obviously all have better reach than your weapons? I don't know what he did, but he was like, "No, I'm super quick and deadly," and so he just hacked and slashed his way out of there, but not by hacking and slashing. Well, I guess by yeah. hacking and slashing, but you know what? I mean? He wasn't a hack and slash fighter, obviously. Yeah. So that inspired every anime ever. And then he went on, and he became a pretty big deal for this. You know, like when people like came to like one of our biggest cities, uh, him and his dad beat the shit out of our school. Then he beat the shit out of the rest of the school, and uh, he fought his way out. And he has already has the title unrivaled under heaven. Uh, so you know, did you ever watch Afro Samurai? Yeah, of course. You know the headband. Yeah, the number one headband. Oh, he he got he got that. <laughs> He's when the when the again when you beat down the entire school of sword people and this and the, and the shogun calls you unrivaled under heaven. You have the headband. Number one headband is his. Yeah, you're right. He's not. He's not nearly his word. He becomes a big deal. His teaching becomes, of course, highly sought after because if you're going to learn from anyone, yeah. Uh, and at this point, he started taking duels where he would only attack with wooden and bamboo swords. Well, that's cool. I mean, you can still kill somebody with those, but that's cool. Again, at this point, remember, he's going to go undefeated until he's in his 60s. <laughs> and he's like, guys, I invented uh, swords, <laughs> pretty much, as you know them. Before, there was really bullshit. Here we do. I, I, I went and learned the, the traditional method of handling a sword with two hands. Then I went and said, hey, let's use both hands on mm -hmm. two different swords. Now, 
uh, because that difficulty isn't enough. Is there an expert or an epic rating? Oh, there is. Awesome. What is it? I get a wooden stick. Perfect. He wasn't even phased. He was like, this is what I was uh, hoping you would say. Right. This is what I was hoping would happen. So, yeah, he comes up with the style of stick fighting known as beach or ass kid. Oh, wow. I'm just saying. Okay. He would he would take these duels yeah. and win. And, and no big deal here. And after a while, he was just taking on masters and founders of schools of styles and weapons. Like, you couldn't even be just like a regular samurai and be like, I challenge you to a duel. People would be like, it would just be like, time out. Right. You can't. <laughs> they were like, what? Yeah, you, 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 your XP ain't up high enough, son. Damn. You got you got to have... You got to have some legendary rating to come challenge this. And so he becomes like a big, big deal. And the, uh, the story is that during this period that he might have suffered his only loss. And I want to be clear. The only source I could find from the story was the dude telling the story. <laughs> and people that were like, yeah, I think he did. No one else can was like, yeah, it happened. No. And then he lost to a stick fighter, actually. But the only account, like I said, was the guy that... Says he beat him and how big of a deal it would have been. It seems kind of strange that nobody else mentioned that he get his ass whooped by, like, basically an extreme fighter. Right. I think if you are, like, the number one swordsman in Japan and you get your ass beat by a dude with two sticks, that uh, somebody's going to mention it besides oh, him. Yeah. Uh, whatever. It's possible. It's possible, but I, I find it improbable. I agree with that. And then there, the duel, which I will say, he actually became a legend. Because it's, it's a goddamn legend. It's a legend that we will actually probably have somebody ask us, is it true that this happened? And yes, it's goddamn true. Listen to this episode and you'll know that. Right, right. Uh, the guy's name was Kijiro. Uh, Sasasuke Kijiro. He was a dude who was known for being like epic with the sword. And he had a great sword. Which What's the name for the extra long bleach style sword? You know what I'm talking about. Like the horse sword. Oh, no doubt you. So he would use this sword. I knew yeah, there was a reason I had you here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. He had this sword. So what? What happens? Usachi shows up late to mess with him. Right? That's All what right. everyone's thinking because they, they 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 agree to this duel, and people are like, "Yo, this duel's gonna be lit. It is lit, bro." So they're like, "We can go out here. We can go to this. We're gonna, we're gonna row out to this island because Japan's an island already. So they got to go to another island." Inside of an island. Was there a word for that? I don't know. An island inside of an island? Yes. It's called Inception. All right. Well, they got to go to Inception Island to have this duel, right? So he's like, hmm. Dude's got a big sword. Everything's there. Masashi's like, I'll show up late. Just mess with him. People think. He comes. He shows up with the bokeh, which is a wooden sword, right? That he right. carved on the way there. Because, again, he's just up in the level. I've got I've to be able to carve this in time. Hmm. So he carves it on the boat that brought him there to the location. And here's the thing. In the version of the story I like best, because who knows what's the true story at this point. He showed up late not because he was messing with the guy, but because of the tides. And he didn't yeah. want to have to wait for the tide to turn to come back home. So, no. So here's the thing. He shows up. He's like, getting on the gets on the boat. Time to go to my, my duel. And he goes, oh, shit. Hey, give me that oar. I had to make a weapon. Makes a weapon on there, right? On his way there. Then he hops off the boat, sees the dude, and goes, which one of you? Oh, you. Smacks him in the head. Hmm. Crushes this dude's soul. Yeah. Jumps back in the boat and gets off. And he's like, 
I was, and he's like, I'm out. And they were like, wait a minute. But you were like 15 minutes late. He's like, I didn't want to have to wait for the tide because I knew this was going to be quick. So I just came in and the tide's going out. And now I'm going out too. You got your ass beat. Yeah. Better ask somebody. Like, that's right. I got skills. Like, at this point, I don't even know why you would challenge this guy. Like, you're hoping to be the dude that brings him down. I get that. But that literally has to be the only, that's the only option I can think of that you would have for going, I want to fight this guy. I mean, yeah, it would be a very smart move. Well, I mean, what, what would it take for you to challenge somebody that you knew these stories about? Like, this is a real man that exists in Shalom. Mm-hmm. And I've told you these stories. And you believe you're in the top 1% of people. Yeah, something like that. What would it take for you to challenge him to a dude? Um, well, because I'm a bit ambitious, nothing. But when it comes to knowing that he would kill me, he's a little to death, uh, like, to cash. Like, your footnote, your footnote would be that you like, the bonus, the benefit for me is, I'll go down to history as one of the number on his list. My name will live forever. It's true. I mean, but that's really it. I mean, on the off chance you catch him, you're like, maybe he'll slip on a rock. <laughs> and then I can stab him when he falls. Because, I mean, and let's just, let's just be real. This happened, and I'm glad it did, because it's too awesome not to. So if you've ever seen that in an anime or a movie, which it happens in a lot of them, mm-hmm. it's a goddamn real story. Well, damn. <laughs> now, um, here is the other thing you will find when you go to look for the story. He was not only late, he was often dirty. Now, I would say, as a general rule, samurai take a little bit of pride in their appearance. Is this correct, Shalom? Yeah. Now, could you think of any reason why there would be a musty, dusty, hobo-ass-looking samurai? Um, I mean, maybe he's unkept. Yes, I mean, he's, he's obviously he's unkept, but there's a reason why a samurai would allow himself to be in such a state. Because obviously this is not going to be looked upon with, uh, you know, envy or pride or anything approaching... Right. There people are going to be like, what What kind of samurai let himself feel like that? Why? What? What's a reason you could think of that he would just be unkept? Oh, I, the, the ten answers on the board. <laughs> Looking for number one. Uh, always in battle? Oh, that's a good one. Uh, that's number two. <laughs> number one was, legend has it. And this is, again, legend has it. Legend has it. That he never bathed because he didn't want to give his chance up. Ah, legend has it that he never bathed because Musashi didn't want to give his foes a chance to catch him unarmed. He was like, "Yo, I gotta get, I gotta take off my swords to get in the tub." That ain't happening, right? Those be really weird. That's a legend, though. That I, I, I imagine he was just a stinky motherfucker. <laughs> like that's a legend. Come on. You're going to tell me the dude never bathed? Like, Japan's known about bathing for a while. And not like Europe. The second thing is, he never took his swords off. He had to have slept. He had to have done them. Where did he put them when he slept? When when, oh, when he... There's other things... Probably by the side of it. Right, right but if you get in a wooden tub, like we see that they have in Japan or a hot springs or what have you, right? You're telling me you can't put the swords right there? As close as you do when you sleep? Yeah. But, like, but you can't just... Jump up and grab him. Like, if you're asleep, you get a little bit of reaction time anyway, too. I don't think hopping out of the hot springs is going to slow your reaction time any more than being asleep will. Nah. 
Maybe a little. You, I mean, I, I, I think he probably was just not uh, one for personal hygiene. And maybe he wasn't. Uh, I'm not sure about that. I'm not going to tell him that. I mean, here's the because here's the second right. part of that, right? Are uh, you going to be the guy to tell? Fuck no. Miyamoto Musashi that he he got bo. No, man, I'm just put up with the stank. <laughs> You're just sitting in the <laughs> elevator next to him, just hold your nose, trying not to breathe. You're like, oh, my willpower is getting stronger just being around him. Right. Because <laughs> you can't tell him. You can't tell but him. You're no. like, it's like, how old is he? 78. He killed 120 men. I mean, that's it. Not really. But still, at the point, he's 60 and he's killed 60. Yes. One for every year on God's earth. It's like, yes. <laughs> Yeah, he also invented the two sword styles. Like, where everyone doing that nowadays? Like, yeah. invented it. He's what we call uh, Kensai or sword style. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He's a sword saint. There's no doubt on that one. Um, now, after some years of just general samurai, because he's one of the few people that we'll talk about this season that he really just enjoys being a samurai. He has no ambition, no real loyalties, no real uh, wants. I mean, he makes a living on his own because when you're this badass of a of a weapons master of a samurai, you're just chilling out, maxing, relaxing, cutting up, doing <laughs> no, right? Like, right? No, no that's your that. only problem. Is like people are like, we want you to come fight for us. He's like, yeah, I can do that. We want you to train us. He's like, yeah, I can do that. He doesn't have any like, I want to be master in Japan. He's like, I don't need to be master in Japan. I'm master of the sword, and the best swordsman you are ever going to see in your life. Challenge me and find out. So it's kind of cool that he is just one of the general samurai. He's just a guy happens to be a samurai, but not only that, he's the seminal samurai because he embodies all these skills. And when it comes to pop culture and seeing the samurai as mostly as a, what would you? How would you? An invincible swordsman is that a good uh, definition of the pop culture view of how they portray him? When you see him in a movie or. TV show, comic, radio, whatever. I'd say that was spot on. The samurai is just what? He's a super swordsman. He's better than any other swordsman on the planet. He's so swift, so brutal, so effective. And it's like, yeah, but that's not the way they really were. It's like, yeah, but Musashi. Because <laughs> that's the way he really was. Right. He really wasn't a master of like tactical maneuvering, going out and being a general and all this. He's like, no, I'm samurai. I'm a really skilled swordsman. I practice every day. I teach people. That's what I do. Right. It's like, oh, is that that's kind of cool. I guess it's like, are you any good at it? And he's like, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I'm good at it. Um, so anyway, after he just finishes his uh, samurai basic training or whatever, okay, he goes into semi retirement. You know, focusing mainly on painting and yeah. training. He likes painting. It's a weird thing, but sure. I mean, no. He's like, I got hobbies. Well, you think I just kill people all day? Train people, kill people all day? Practice swords all day? I got other stuff to do. I think. Like George W. Bush. Uh, probably not the same, but yeah. Maybe the same. They might think that. I don't know. I haven't seen the skill levels. So, he starts training for various lords. Because, of course, it's a Leonardo da Vinci situation here where... How, how, how much do you think your army would be feared? You get bonus points. This is a buff, right? Right. Like, this dude shows up. It's like, who's your sword master? Miyamoto. Musashi. It's like, so you guys uh, pretty well trained then, huh? Uh, damn. I was hoping you would say somebody else. In fact, anyone else. <laughs> so that's, I mean, that's why it's important to get him, right? Because you get to go to this master class with, with the literal master. The best swordsman in Japan just shows up and like, so I'm training here. And he's like, yeah, just you, you should be like that. It's good. Where's my money? 
Not really. I mean, he takes it serious, but he could have. I mean, yeah, he could have. It's just like slap your name on anything. <laughs> Sell it. It makes you instantly a better swordsman. Uh, a couple of years before he died, uh, he became a hermit, actually. He, he just like went out, retreated to a cave. And it was in this cave that he wrote one of the, I would say, most well-known and influential books in history. I mean... The Book of the Five Rings? The Book of the Five Rings. Nice. I mean, imagine that this is at the end of his life after he's done all this stuff. He goes, he's a hermit when he writes this. He's living in a cave. Yeah. Now, you've read the Book of the Five Rings, I take it. I have. You have the board game with the Book of the Five Rings, I take it. I do. <laughs> you have the collector's plates of the Five Rings. Oh, I, I knew this going. Don't judge me. Mm. But my point is, uh, you're well acquainted with the Book of the Five Rings. Yes. How would you rate that as important literature for studying things of Bushido, samurais? I'd say eight. Japan. Right. And we're, it's probably in the top, what, uh, 10, 5, 3, 2, 1? Where does it fall? I don't uh, know. In that, that, how important would you say if you wanted to study Bushido or something like that is the idea or learn about samurai is the Book of the Five Marines? And you said it was an eight, but where would it rate? Was it something you would recommend? Yeah, would it have to be in there? No, it's something I recommend reading. Now, um, in general, literature and world literature, I would still say it's probably in the top, like, 200 books ever written. Right. It's still a big selling book today. Yeah. I mean, well, that's what I'm saying. It's a popular book today, and it was written hundreds of years ago by a dude living in a cave who didn't take baths because he was afraid people would sneak up on him and could murder men. Probably with the penis. So, uh, where, where does, as a samurai student, as a sword student, where does Musashi rate for you? Because you're a guy that actually does this kind of stuff, that is interested in it, lives it, yeah. studies it. Is, it. is he on your list? Is he a favorite of yours? He is. He, he makes top five for sure. Oh, he's a top five mm-hmm. pick. Oh, wow. Yeah, I think he's one of the most interesting figures in history. Because he's a guy it really seems like we talked about before. When you have the chance of just being able to seize power and rolling off with it and no one really being able to oppose you, we saw that with Toyotomi. We did. Uh, but I think with Musashi, it's interesting that he really never set up base to be like any kind of super probable. He just proved how good he was. People would come learn from him. He's like, yeah, I got that. He doesn't even, like, take the ability to, like, set up a permanent home in school and be like, I'm going to be the best. No one can challenge me here. No, he just kind of wanders. He's a, he's a ronin. He literally wanders around working for Lord the Lord and just taking on duels. 60 duels. That's an, ins- that's an insanity number to me. Anyway, Shalom. Uh, yeah. We're here at the end of this lesson. And we have not done one samurai quiz. Uh, we have not. So, I would like to ask you a couple of questions. Oh, yeah. Feel free. Go for it. Uh, these are going to be about, obviously, samurai skills. Because who do we just talk about? I hope so. I mean, no, no. I'm saying they're not questions about did their armor. Could they Could they retreat? This, these are not questions that Musashi was concerned with. No. These are samurai weapons questions. Because if there's sure. one man that deserves to have questions about weapons answered during his show, it's me and Musashi. All right. The katana is the best sword ever made that has magical properties. Not real magical properties. It's the best sword ever made, like, engineering-wise, materials-wise. Uh, all of that samurai is 
his head and shoulders above everything. Like you, we often hear this: the katana is just the best sword ever. So I'm not even sure I heard a question. The katana is the best sword ever. Um, my opinion, yes. Uh, the katana is built strategically to as as a slicing weapon, a cutting weapon, not a stabbing weapon. Right. Uh, a lot of European weapons at the time were invented for, but have more of a stabbing mechanism to them. Uh, the katana doesn't. The katana, most European shield or weapons are paired with shields. Japanese katana is not paired with any shield. There's not a shield that that goes with the armor. Mm-hmm. There's not or with the weapon. Uh, so my personal opinion, those are just a few answers for me as to why I feel like the katana is the the uh, the best weapon. Yeah, I, I think it's going to tie up in this word best. Mm-hmm. Um, best is really a subjective word. It is. Objectively, I don't think there's any way to have a best sword. It's always going to be the situation and style of warfare you have. I, I really personally love the... I don't do anything training-wise like Shalom does here. Just a study, a study, a student of weapons. And I like to see them made, and I like to see the material science behind them and the, the progression through history and stuff. Uh, I would say it has advantages and disadvantages. One of the main things that I think people get wrong is the folding of the Japanese katana in the steel, right? Mm-hmm. Now, there's a couple of reasons it's folding. And mostly those come down to the uh, quality of the lump steel that's produced in the Japanese uh, method of producing steel from ore, right? Yeah. Iron ore. Folding kind of forces those impurities out. So I would say from a material science point of view, uh, they do a lot to get what they can. I don't think it's the best uh, steel ever. I'm not a big fan of folding steel in general. It does have the cool thing that uh, it has a soft spine and a hard edge, right? Anyway, uh, the steel is sandwiched. There's a sandwich layer for doing Japanese swords that come in there. And they're built with this method so that the blade, you know, can be sharpened and keep its steel, but the spinal flex. And they have a lot of it. Of course, there's the shape of it, the recurve, the curve. Whatever you have in there can be different. No, but, but you're right. I have to agree with you. Uh, the did, construction... I, oh, i got to pause and just tell you. I did not know that you were well-versed in, in the art of folding uh, uh, katana steel. Uh, well, I'm not. I wouldn't, I'm say, I wouldn't say well-versed. It's something, again, I study these things because I like them. Hmm. Uh, so folding, the two types of steel that you have, the plumes, right, that you yeah. get from... Uh, it's, they're very interesting, very different than European methods or Viking methods. Uh, some, some... I guess I should take that back. Some Viking methods are similar. Mm-hmm. To answer your point, that's what I'm getting at. There's a sword for every occasion. There's a sword for... Shalom talked about stabbing swords like rapiers and such. Right. Uh, sure, I agree. I don't find them extremely useful by the time period they were. Sure. For the purpose they were. I think the katana is an exceptional blend of materials and need. They did what they needed to do. They made something very efficient. But that's personal opinion. The best sword ever is probably the one that saved your life. So if a sword ever saves your life, that's the best sword. Right. Uh, that's one question down. It took way too long, but I, I really enjoy the process. I really enjoy the process of uh, katanas being made. I highly, highly recommend someone goes looks up traditional uh, blacksmithing in Japan. Okay. Second one. This is more of a ninja skill, I feel like. And I, I know the answer to this one, but I want to hear Shalom first. Because I might trick him on this one. Hmm. Stopping the blade. Between your hands. The catch. You know what I'm talking about. I do. Uh, For for our listeners, this is when someone swings a sword at you, coming down at you, and you take both your hands and you clap them right at the right moment, and the friction between them stops the blade. 
either with or without bleeding. But you okay. not doesn't cut your hands off. Right. It's not like you put your hand up and block it. You catch the blade between your two palms. So you're asking me, is that possible? Is this a true samurai technique that was utilized? So I'm going to go ahead and answer this one for you, but my answer is kind of compounded. So let me finish go the ahead. answer, and then I guess you can comment on it what you think. So the answer is... Not commonly a samurai thing. However, it was a ninja technique with the, with the thing, with the hand, because in this, I know quite a bit about this. There's a thing called the shuko. Yeah. The ninja use, and it's called, it's a, it's got claws. It's a claw. It's used, if you've ever seen the ninja climb walls, this yeah. is the thing that they use. It slides over their hands and gives them a little hook. Right. So when they came together to, to grab swords or to catch swords, they were catching them, but they're also catching them with the, the claws. That's right. These so metal claws. Metal claws. They have leather backings. Mm-hmm. They would strap on these like gloves, skeletonized gloves, right. that had metal palms with little spikes. And so when they were stopping weapons, they weren't actually putting their hands on the weapons. No. They would occasionally be able to use them. They would also scratch people with them. Mm-hmm. They could be used. Again, ninja aren't traditionally combatant. No, I mean, uh, but they had to adopt. They had to adapt and adopt their weapons to get away more than anything. I mean, that's true. Uh, we'll have a whole ninja thing, as we should. Uh but yes, they 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 used the shuko. That was a very good question. I I really I was I was wondering where you were going to go with that. Like, they used the shuko. Uh, they used the shuko. I didn't know. I was like, oh, is he is he going to know enough about ninja? Of course, man. To know that they were used this way, but yes, the answer is samurai. Probably not. No. Right. But can it be done? The answer is with the right tools. Uh, if you have if you have Shuko on, it is possible to perform this task and was enough that it apparently made it into history and right. pop culture. It was not a traditional role. These really were meant for climbing, scaling, and uh, sometimes scratching. It's even weird to say that scratching is like a battle technique, but these claws are like one inch. They're not like small. They're at least an inch long, two inches, and they're they're made to dig into like the sides of like wooden buildings or something, exactly. trees uh, to get away from people to elude capture. So yeah, uh, when somebody came at you, you could definitely slap. Like imagine taking a glove filled with nails and slapping someone in the face with it. That's what you do. I mean, that's exactly what you're doing. So it's effective, and it's also effective, I guess, against swords. Although I wouldn't try it, would you try it? Um, so I have. I used to practice at one point in time with. Uh, I thought you said at gunpoint. I was no, like, no, at no, gunpoint no, no, time. No, no. No, one like time, time travel. You like? <laughs> I'm doing this in bullet time. No, the uh, so I have tried at, at one point in time to to uh, in my training to learn how to do that. I, in fact, part of my training used to. So did you have a machine or did you have somebody swing a sword at you? Um, so I would have somebody swing a sword at me. Okay. Not a very good idea. Well, I mean, did they ever hit you? Because did you fail? Um, so I, I kind of a little bit of both. But did I ever fail? Yes. Did they ever cut me? No. You wear a football helmet. <laughs> I probably should have. Wear a football helmet. You're like, all right, try to cut my head in half with the katana. Oh my! I'm gonna stop it. No practicing. No wooden swords. No curtain rods. He went straight to the blade. Yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, it's, it's, it sounds ridiculous, but I mean, if you're going to practice it, is there any other way? I mean, it, it is pretty ridiculous. I'm not even going to kid you like that. I wouldn't do it. Like nowadays in my adult life, you have children. I, yeah, you're like my children need me. I can't just get murdered. I mean, exactly. Yeah. So you were successful. 
how successful would you stay? Because I would, I would imagine the momentum. I've never done this. Yeah. But I imagine the momentum of like a heavily armored samurai like swinging full speed at you. Mm-hmm. And you'd be like, I'll catch that. It's still yeah. going to travel. So is it a redirect kind of a thing where you're like, miss my head? Well, so a little bit of both. But like with, with, and one thing, people, people think that people, samurai come down directly straight down with the head to your head. Typically, no. I mean, you don't want to put, you don't want to put a blade into someone's head because you got to pull that back up. Right. Out. No, no, no. So you're using like Juden no Kamai. Right. A slicing beheading motion. Mm-hmm. Uh, but my, my question is, there's still momentum. A lot of momentum. So in my success, it's been more of a, I've done it, but utilizing, uh, utilizing slower, a lot slower than normal, um, speed. So, so a guy would just be like, I'm gonna stab you in the neck. And you were like, no. Oh, wait a minute. No, I'm a full time. Never mind. I got it. Right. Something like that. And you were like, I'll speed up eventually. And then you were like, this is a really stupid idea. Well, I also tried to catch arrows too. How did that work? Um, no, that worked out pretty well. Did you do your like, I step to take a bow and arrow. And like, just, I wouldn't use a crossbow, but like a bow and arrow for my straight back blade go. I would step to the side, catch the arrow. Stuff. So, yeah. Yeah, I was successful with that. Successful with that. Mm-hmm. No, I'd say about 80% of the time. About 80%. How many times did you get shot with an arrow? Um, I got hit with an arrow twice. There you go. It was not very pleasant. But it also made me not want to get hit the next time. So, <laughs> oh, that's effective training. I mean, it's exactly. like getting shot or stabbed. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> so, we're ending this. And this is actually sad. I just love talking about Musashi. The story, the legend of Musashi... Being true just blows my mind every time. I mean, yeah, it's true. Anyway, do you have anything to add to this list? Anything I missed? Because you you know a lot about this man, a lot about the Five Rings, a lot about what it would take to be. Kiyosai? <laughs> well, I don't know about that. but <laughs> To be a man called Unrivaled Under Heaven. I mean, I would love to have that title, but yeah. I don't have the title now. I couldn't tell you I know how to get that title. That's the thing. Like, how do you even start on the road for that? Uh, shit, I don't know. Murder a man at 13. That's so it. we already messed up. <laughs> so if there's only 12-year-olds listening out there, no, no, stop no, your parents. No. Stop stop your parents and get them to parent you because you should not be listening to the show. Uh, but if you if you are listening to the show, you can donate to us on Patreon. Take your parents' credit card. That's right. Just no, enter it in. Your parents' credit card. Hey, hey, if your parents are not watching you enough that they're letting you listen to the show, then you take their credit card. If if your parents are listening and you have your children listening with you, your children, do not let them take your credit card. They will mess things up. <laughs> Shout out to Ray Walden Jr. That's right, because he is one of our biggest supporters. And on Patreon, you can become one, too. Uh, also, t-shirts for sale. We'll have Indeed. new season two t-shirts at some point once we have catch raises. Yeah. <laughs> on T Public, and you can catch us on social media or wherever you listen to the podcast. Uh, please rate, rate, share, subscribe, like, and as always, keep listening. Indeed, because that's what's up. This is your host Shalom, and we're done. And Desmond, bye. <laughs>